Hey, everybody. It's Matt, along with your good friend, Andrew Secunda of That's New me. York City. That's where I'm from. Well, you know, Andy, I bet when you were in New York growing up as a kid, you saw a lot of things where you were like, that's pretty odd. Oh, sure. Yeah, well, did you know that in Hollywood, there's a place you can go see all the things that are pretty odd? It's called the Auditorium at the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum in Hollywood, California, Andy. Can I be mugged in an arcade as a teenager? <laughs> oh, no. It's very safe in there. Speaking of safety, Bo appreciates it, too. Say hi, Bo. Okay, Bo licked the microphone to approve of Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum. Yeah, it's on Hollywood the microphone. and Highland, which is the Crossroads of Entertainment. Copyright Matt Myra, 2017. It's really great. Uh, I just want to say, if you need to get in there and you're looking for something to do at 5 p.m., after 5, Andy, you can get two people in for $20. It's buy one, get one free. It's a BOGO offer. BOGO for TNC, guys. All you have to do is mention Star Trek The Next Conversation, and you can get... Buy one, get one free. That's $20 for two people to get into the Ripley's Believe It or Not Auditorium in Hollywood, California after 5 p.m. You just tell them Matt and Andy sent you, and boy, oh boy, there's so many things you can either believe or not. Ripley's also was in tonight's episode of The Goldbergs. Was it? Yeah. Oh, don't watch the show. That was the, uh, I was trying to make that Bigfoot video. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I might have suggested that off of the, uh... Off of our sponsor. Well, that was it was in um, on my brain. Well, so there you go. You got some extra national attention. There now. you go. It's a great episode written by Matt Myra, directed by Jay Chandrasekhar. Oh, did you write and that starring one? Starring Bo. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Then maybe you came up with it. <laughs> <laughs> We're a team, Andy. Here's the show. Podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey, it's Matt um, and Dave. We're singing along with the theme to Star Trek, but not at all following the melody. Music's gone. Yeah. <laughs> this is what it would be like with no music or composer. Uh, and us singing it. <laughs> Star Trek The Next Generation. Thank you, everybody, for all of your support. We, uh, we uh, appreciate you all. You know, Andy After Trek was nominated for a Webby. No, I saw that honorable mention for a Webby. Not even able to be nominated. How does honorable mention work? There? I don't know. Does the, I don't know anything who about decides it. Decides the honorable. I don't mention. know anything about it. That I'm is just, a Star Trek geek. That's all I can say. I got. Um, Wait a minute. What about After Trek? I got. Oh, I just unplugged um, our sound. Well, my sound. Andy probably still hears everything. Uh-huh. Oh. You can't hear it. Yeah, it's fine. I can continue to talk. But I got a message from the EP of After Trek telling me about this Webby thing. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Uh, That's got to be nice, Are we going to get a season two? And he's like, no idea. 
That's too bad. We still don't know. Can't be bad for you, though. No, probably very good for CBS All Access to have a show, get recognized by someone for something. Everybody Besides, tweet- you know, the Saturn Awards and the Hugo Awards <laughs> that Star Trek is winning. Anyway, or being nominated. Oh, are, is it? Oh, yeah. great. I really th- I really enjoyed it as, as, as well established on this podcast. Um, also, uh, people have pointed out, and I don't want to go into spoilers... All of our pre-conversations about Discovery. Yes. Both of us mentioned many things that actually happened in Discovery. It was like, ah, I wish this would happen. And then it happened. Did we? Good well, for us. We'll have well, to yeah. go back and listen the, to that. With the one reference to the, that became a big arc on the, oh, to the, to the original arc. series. No, you don't tell them. Now listen, you know who spoiled that for everybody? Jonathan Frakes. Did he? Yep. Anyway. Just like a Riker. You really rikered it up. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? No. <laughs> no. Well, you know what? Here it is. It's the a bonding. I believe it's Ronald D. Moore's first credited episode. It is. Uh, and it's interesting because he's already... Ron Moore is uh, responsible for a lot of the uh, things we know about Klingons now. A lot of the, a lot of the Klingon uh, uh, rituals and lore uh, are... Not, not lore lore, but right, actual are lore. all uh, heavy Ron Moore um, influence. So it's interesting that in his first go, he comes up with this uh, bonding uh, ritual. Yeah. So that is true. Oh, right off the, I mean, we, we're going to get into it. But the, but I will say the, um, the, um, oh, the, the story of Moore. You know, going on the just because I was I was poking around a little bit the the story of him, uh, fascinated with next generation writing. Story of him picking up variety at the gas station. Yeah, and picks up variety. Out how to submit. Just oh my god, they're bringing it back. And then he has a girlfriend who has some connection. He's going to get a tour of the set as a total tourist. And in a month and a half, he writes basically this episode. Gives it to the guy who happened to be giving the tour, who was Roddenberry's assistant, who for some reason, no, Matt wouldn't read it. I wouldn't read it. No, God, no, no human being in a production staff Hang on. would read. That's not true. Yeah. Let's say that happened. Let's say on a tour, someone handed us a Goldberg script. There is an instinct probably initially to just continue walking and then throw it in the garbage. Yeah. But there would also be some downtime where we would start reading it and passing it around. I don't know. I have a really bad record for even reading my... F- oh, you're saying to make fun of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, and then we would but look then at it. it was like, it was like oh, oh, this is really yeah, good. This is good. We should... <laughs> so you think that's we, what we was would happening? Like, we would, like, bury it. And like, Roddenberry's uh, assistant was like, oh, boy. Hey, everybody, come in here. Take a- Oh, this is a pretty oh, good episode. Oh, yeah. wow. This makes a lot of sense. Using, this oh. guy could later completely reinvent Battlestar Galactica. Um, anyway, and then, uh, you know, the rest is history. Very true. The rest is the rest is history. I'm very excited about next week. Go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, and join the ad. That was very loud. It was. It was also an ill-timed uh, thing, so I apologize. A cue. I didn't know what was happening. I know. I thought you were done talking, and so I was filling the, the dead silence. Anyway. So that So you're saying that it's time to enter the Admirals Club. Is that what you're telling me? The, that's what I'm that's what I'm saying to you, yes. Oh, okay. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about the doors. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, nice. Oh, look. Free nuts. Um, 
All right. I got a, I got a couple of them just because the Admiral's uh, mentions. Oh, Matt, how do you... Do you want to check on Bo? Uh, Bo's doing something Well, outside. no, I'll tell you how you get in the Admiral's Club, Andy. All you got to do is go to iTunes and leave a five-star review. Well, I guess it's called Apple Podcast. Leave a five-star review telling them how much you enjoy Star Trek The Next Conversation. You'll be welcome through the wonderful sliding magical doors right. of or, the Admiral's Club. Or you can say something negative as long as you give us five-star. True story. All right. The first one's from Genos... Idanian, and uh, it says, I'm a must-have for your next TNG rematch. I listened to the podcast on Stitcher because I have an Android phone, so I had to resurrect my old iPad 2 to write this review. Thank you so much, Janos. Uh, this podcast makes even the terrible episodes watchable, or at least tolerable. The two hosts have great chemistry. I particularly enjoy their inside baseball industry talk as they dissect the episodes with the discerning eyes of TV writers. Come for the Trek Talk. Stay for Andy's Maurice Hurley impression. P.S. Matt, Booby Trap is one of my favorite episodes, too. Yes, next week. Robo Nixon says, the Anbo Jitsu of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> the full, we, are the, we are the finest evolution of the martial arts. Yes. By the way, someone uh, sent us a, uh, a Photoshop picture of us uh, fighting an Anbo Jitsu that, that I'm someday going to put on our, That's very funny. On like our Instagram. Um, and he says, Matt, or she says, Matt uh, expertly captains this podcast through every crisis and Andy Ellipse is his executive officer in charge of radishes. <laughs> Why radishes? Just whatever. Yes. It have any, doesn't have any Star Trek relevance. Andy's critiques and Matt's insights into the Trek are a joy to listen to. Plus, I hear the Admiral's Club now stocks Romulan Ale. That is true. TNC, Son of Secunda, House of Myra <laughs> by Krixdrigserg. <laughs> I am very happy the show is back. You two bring a sense of joy and fun to something I've held dear my entire life. On a side note, as a fellow podcaster, the two of you make me feel much more confident in our podcasting abilities. I say kaplach. Wait a second. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of laced insults in these things. I love it. Um, uh, Hulu Hater 3000 says, uh, wonder why. Um, I hate Hulu. Cat wait. With a C-A-T Till we get to DS9 I like cats So I'm in favor Of the misspelling What a team Matt and Andy make Not a necessarily Good one But still We are a team J- J- JK Love the podcast A request for Andy mm. By Alex1038 Love the show Helps me figure out Which episodes To show friends Who are new But I'm contacting To ask Andy Could you do More impressions Of the cast Something about Andy repeating Their exact line After they deliver it it's my specific ASMR. Do you know what ASMR is? That's that fetish where people whisper and you watch videos of people whispering on the internet. Oh, I didn't notice that it was the whispering. I thought it was just the repeating. Um, sincerely, Alex, a totally normal guy from Pennsylvania. I'm glad you say that, Alex, because I always wondered. It's, I think it's a weird... If you were totally normal. It's a weird quirk that I have that I do that. And I'm like, is that really annoying? Well, at least there's one guy out there who's rooting for it. And the last one is Love This Podcast by A. Riviera the Third. Um, oh, oh, damn it. I didn't prep this. Hang on one second. A. Riviera the Third. And A. Riviera the Third has this to say. Hang on one second. <laughs> I have nothing. I know you can't. It's I have hard nothing to, to uh, right. add or play or. Uh, 
what are you watching besides the Beastie Boys? That's all I'm watching. Here, here, cut and paste the lyrics to this. Oh, that's a f- interesting way to get into the Animals Club. Just copying, pasting. Okay, I appreciated it. It was just all those lyrics down to uh, cast you off into exile. Um, all right, Matt. Intergalactic planetary. Yeah. Planetary. Intergalactic. There you go. Uh, United Federation of Planets President Circle. We're about to enter, Matt. Oh, well, Andy, you know, it's a much bigger door because it's very hard to get into. Oh, sure. So if I could just click on Cargo Bay, there it is. (laughs) (laughs) I hope we're not making it. It closes behind us. That's the beauty of it. Of course. Yeah, well, it's it's a more high high class club. Sure. Whereas the United the Admirals Club, you have to press the button to close yeah. the door behind you for some reason. Uh, Linnea Thunsell. Uh, oh, you get into the United Federation of Planets by sending us any money through our PayPal. Soon we'll have a pay- Patreon. Um, sent us. Doesn't she th- support? She Matt sure Barry's does. Excellent adventure. That name is very familiar to me. She sent us ten bucks, and she says, "Hey, Matt and Andy, love the podcast. Just want to send some monetary love to this podcast as well. I'm also an excellent adventure Patreon or Patreon Patreon uh, supporter, Matt, and ask a random question. How do you guys feel about the Rodberry created show Andromeda? I started rewatching it on Amazon Prime. It is not good. I never watched Andromeda. Did you watch Andromeda? Never did. What wasn't is there, the plot wasn't there another one, too? Like Earth... Um, oh, yeah. Or, uh, let's look it up. Holy shit. That green screen, they f- did a great job. The green screen on the episode of the Goldbergs with the spring break in the background. Oh, yeah? I didn't see it. MTV! <laughs> Holy crow. Yeah. Everybody tune in for Matt's episode. Um, I guess it'll. All, I didn't yeah. even see the trailer, and I was just gonna watch the trailer. Let's hear the trailer. The oh, Goldbergs wow. are going to. They are not sponsoring us. us. We should not help them. I don't care how much. I work just want to hear us. how they decided to promote this ridiculous episode. Always a lot of record scratches. I can guarantee you that. The oh. Goldbergs are going to Florida tonight. Spring break is here, and it'll be just like on MTV. Here's our beach club. <laughs> Or not. A new Goldbergs tonight on ABC. You gotta wear the required bathing cap. <laughs> oh, look, we used that shot that Adam desperately wanted to reshoot. <laughs> oh. I guess our line producer, Annette, must have talked him out of it. Um, I have the Wikipedia, but I don't have a... I'm looking for just a brief summation of what Andromeda was. And I don't have it. Uh, sounds like it was in space. Anyway, continue. All right. Um, anyway, uh, that's Love uh, Linnea from Minneapolis. And um, I think I did it wrong now. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Anyway, this is the. And that was the You are doing it wrong. Because that because should we finish. Have to, what we have to do is we got to walk out. We got to back, get back out, right? to get out of here. These, all these sound cues sound enormously loud. Is and that then, not uh, for them? And then, you know, it all normalizes at the end. Uh, and then, oh, this door's not working. Hang on. Okay. Now I can get us out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, we, wait, do we go back into the Admirals Club and then leave? We went... We There's have to no go back through. door to we the United no. Federation. We have to go through. The beauty of it is, the beauty of it is that we like 
when we're leaving there, everyone in the Emeralds Club sees that we just came from the president's club. I see. So they feel jealous. Yes. And they're like, yes. I got to get into that United Federation of Presidents. Circle. Circle. <laughs> got to come up with an easier name to say. Sure. Anyway, time to open up the hail bag. Captain, we are being hailed. Oh, that was the one with Kevin Sorbo. Andromeda. Anyway. Is he a captain? I bet he's sure. a captain. He's probably the captain of, uh, Andromeda of, of Six. Christianity. Is that what he does? Isn't he a big into? Uh, All I know is he lives in Vegas to to uh, to to get better tax breaks. That's the only thing I know about Kevin Sorbo and that he was Hercules. What a weird thing to know, but I appreciate the knowledge. I think he was in. Yes, he was in an episode of Love Incorporated, which was my show. Everybody, feel free to you know you can watch it or not watch it. If care. you want to see what UPN was up to, it's <laughs> true in the early aughts. I like to think that my show, which lasted a season with the delightful Busy Phillips and Holly Robinson Pete um, and Reagan Gomez Preston, um, I like to think that my show killed UPN. That uh, then it became CW and. What was it? The WB. It was the WB Nichols. and the UPN merged, yeah. Melded. Anyway, our first hail is from Quinn. He says, hello, my name is Quinn. I'm 12 years old, and I love your podcast. Sorry for the cussing, Quinn. I think you are hilarious. In the details of the podcast, I would put the time that the actual episode starts after the hails and stuff. Thanks. Oh, we used to do that, young 12-year-old person, and then I just kept forgetting. Right. Uh, and I have be. continued to forget. So maybe now Andy will remind me and I will Oh, and now it's but, on me. I was But I guarantee on. you I'm forgetting. All right. Well, I'll try to remind you. Uh, Neil Studd writes, Ah, Mintaka 3, tragically obliterated in the mirror universe before any of this nonsense could go down. Hashtag Captain Killy. And I thought that was amazing. I didn't realize that was a deep pull from Discovery. Oh, my God. Good callback. Really good job, Neil Studd. I wouldn't have done that spoiler except that um, Matt already brought it up in the podcast. My apologies to everyone. Charlie Short writes us, uh, the piece of cloth. Oh, uh, you were talking about the, the Mintakin piece of cloth that ends up on the captain's chair. Yeah. He says the piece of cloth stays on the back of the chair even on the uh, 1701E. Yeah, that's true. Interesting. I said through all the movies. Did people not listen to me? So I don't. I don't. <laughs> so I can't blame them for it. Uh, hey, Matt. Hey, Andy. You mentioned the strangely primitive uh, nature of both the. Uh, this is an Ensigns of Command thing. Proto Vulcans in Who Watches the Watchers and the human settlers in Ensigns of Command, despite the fact that humans, the humans were obviously a post warp civilization. However, in Ensigns, the Artemis crash landed 92 years ago, and none of the technology managed to survive. They had to live without technology and focus solely on survival. None of the people uh, have been to space, gone to warp, called an ice cream sundae from the food uh, replicator. Uh-huh. So it's not impossible that a group in that situation. I think I was arguing, why don't these people know more? 92 years, he points out, is a quick bit quick for that kind of transition. 11,000 colonists suggest a certain level of medical knowledge remained. That's from Kenny Dixon, who write, wrote some of our cues. You don't care. I love KD. Kyle Gant wrote us to the two most dysfunctional podcasters. My name is Kyle, and at the moment, um, this is a sad one, I am dealing with my grandfather's failing health, and it has been hard for me to deal with this uh, first loss of a loved one, but your podcast, with some help of Kevin Smith's podcast, makes me laugh through the tears, and I thank you for the momentary escape. I just thought it was nice for him to reach out. Uh, Hang in there, buddy. Yeah, and we're behind you. Keep listening. That's all we can do is talk about 
stupid Star Trek things. That literally is v- very close to all we can do. <laughs> <laughs> Howard Kyle writes us, uh, Hey, Andy, uh, in Who Watches the Watchers, you and Matt were talking about Troy's empathic powers. Uh, and Matt uh, mentioned that, that thought that TNG created the idea of an empath. Matt did, as he points out, uh, look up the Google um, arc of the use of the word empath and see that that wasn't accurate. Um, but uh, Howard Kyle also adds to this, there is an episode of the original series called The Empath. It is one of the top uh, five worst uh, TOS episodes, but it does have an alien woman who can sense other people's emotions and feelings. Mm. Um, and that was the <laughs> end. <laughs> I really felt like I was leading into that. Um, there's a, a couple of prime correctives. I'm not going to go into the whole theme. Um, I uh, uh, we got a, a hail last week from Arlen. Um, I think I might have misread it as Arlene. She, he, I was about to say she again. He wrote us uh, the Frankenstein hail last week, and um, he says uh, no, it's just Arlen, and I am a he. Sorry about that, Arlen. And then Brett Lonsway wrote us minor prime corrective. The crew complement of the Enterprise is about a thousand. Looked it up, and it's actually uh, approximately. Uh, 1,014 crew members, including civilian residents and families. Well, thank you for the correction. Um, and uh, I'm just going to close up the hell bag here. Frequencies closed, sir. Uh, that's it. We're in the show proper. I don't know if I you want to mark it. down what, the time. Uh, 18 minutes and 45 seconds. I hope you're listening, 12-year-old person. Is that good or bad for how long it takes? Sometimes it takes us quite a bit of time. I, You know, I, on a personal level, okay. yeah, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Mm. I don't love the beginning of the show. Right. I feel like everyone just wants us to get to the business. Yeah, but the beginning of the show is also certainly, business. Certainly, the twelve-year-old demo would like us to just get to the show. <laughs> well, you know, now he's how. You know what I'm going to do is put it in this one, uh-huh. and then he'll skip it. He won't hear his own hail. I know. What a sick burn! Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> he'll really miss out. I am so You're mean. Such a meanie. I bet you were a real bully when you were twelve. No, I was just a fat nerd. No, well, you're a bully to me now. So you're That's making up right. for time. Still a fat nerd. <laughs> I just had to find a skinny nerd. Uh, I. Am going to read to us the description from Larry Nemechek's book. But first, Andy, I'm going to tell you that this episode aired October 23rd, 1989. Matt, Janet mm. Jackson's Miss You Much still at the top of the charts. Big surprise. Uh, Black Box's Ride on Time continued their dominance of the U.S. and U.K. airwaves, respectively. The Pillars of Earth. Did you ever read that? Oh, you don't like fantasy. By Ken Follett was a bestseller. Look who's talking. Still ahead? I gotta tell you guys, I know it's beloved. Look who's talking is a piece of crap. I'm just gonna say it straight out. Of course it is. <laughs> um, I can't believe that dominated the box office for so long. Let an otherwise fairly unimpressive box office slate. Everyone else, somebody said to me, oh, I enjoyed the Bruce Willis part of it. That wasn't us, right? It was somebody else who said that to me recently. The Bruce Willis part of... Like the, the Bruce Willis. It's Bruce Willis doing the voice. I loved Bruce Willis. I wanted Bruce Willis to be David Addison as a baby. That would have been a funny movie. It wasn't funny to see him go, But mommy, I want you to... Like, I don't need to hear Bruce Willis doing a baby voice. 
Doesn't he not do a baby voice? He does a little bit of a baby voice. voice. Well, it's his voice, but he does a little bit of a confused baby voice. Uh, of course, I know you're all desperate to hear us break down the Look Who's Talking <laughs> franchise. Sorry. You can hear that on my Look Who's Talking podcast. It's going to be Look Who's Talking minute by minute. Check it out. <laughs> um, anyway, that led an otherwise fairly unimpressive box office slate. Yeah, I'm sure. The next uh, four top movies, I don't know why I'm so mad about this, four top movies would make less combined this week. Ooh, they mentioned the others. This is interesting. Next of Kin, Sea of, Matthew Kirk does, Sea of Love, Black oh, Rain. Sea of Love, the Al Pacino, uh, Ellen John Goodman. Oh, was, oh, that's right. He's yeah. his buddy in it. Yeah. Black Rain is the one where Michael Douglas goes to Japan and fights ninjas. Sure. And uh, I don't remember. It was next to Kin, Patrick sea of Love. Swayze. Michael Rooker is in Sea of Love. He's the killer. Uh, well, well, spoiler, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry um, to spoil a 30-year-old Al Pacino <laughs> B-movie. And the last one was The Fabulous Baker Boys, which far deserves to be... You like The Fabulous Baker Boys. In the t- it's uh, it's uh, Michelle Pfeiffer at her most beautiful, really nuanced performances by everyone involved. Anyway, um, at least amongst this group, it certainly deserves to be at the top. Weird Al Yankovic, Sam Raimi, and Nancy Grace all celebrated their 30th birthday, which I thought was interesting. What a, what a, what a fun birthday minus nancy grace (laughs) um the hungarian republic was formally declared by its elected officials becoming a democratic parliamentarily part i was so sure i was gonna say it correctly parliamentary parliamentary jesus christ republic um and continuing with the spate of oddly prescient and timely cover stories time magazine featured george washington's presidential portrait with the caption, is government dead? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, all right. Great week, everybody. 1989. It's the bonding, okay? Uh, let's talk about this. Every time I think of this episode, I think it's another episode. I think it's the episode. Uh, this might be a spoiler for you, Andy, but it's just ears? the plot. Uh-huh. It's not really a spoiler. I thought this was the episode where the kid... I feel like there's an episode of Star Trek. I don't feel like. I know there's an episode of Star Trek Next Generation where another child's parents die. Mm. And then that child then just like attaches himself to Data and just wants to be just like Data and not feel emotions. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was this episode. So every time I confuse the bonding and that episode all the time. And well, I think people listening at home probably do the same thing if they're fans of the show. And it kind of makes sense because this kid, part of the thing they keep talking about is how he seems to display very little emotion about his mother dying. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to do it. Weinrich Colby and written by Ronald D. Moore, a routine mission to explore the ruins of the, oh boy, Koinonian. Yeah, I think that's right. Koinonian civilization ends in tragedy when a bomb left over from that people's long war explodes, killing ship's archaeologist Maria Astor. Now Picard and Troy must comfort her 12-year-old son, Jeremy, who has already lost his father. The tragedy evokes sympathetic feelings from Wesley and Worf, who led Astor the way. <laughs> you really gotta... I mean, I'm an amateur, but you gotta stop yawning on your own podcast. I, 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 you know, it's hard... We've been... I feel like we've been doing it I feel like you times, also Like, always... back and forth, and, like, I can't, like... I'm not... I'm not normal. You always yawn also in the... Uh, when I'm reading. In the, yeah. 
Well, and when I'm reading, <laughs> but nobody hears when it. When any of us are reading, it's it's boring to all. Anyway, but the shock uh, is beginning to wear off. The boy's mother reappears and transforms the Astro's shipboard cabin into their home back on Earth. Uh-huh. This is crazy, right? Bringing joy but confusion back into Jeremy's life. Data discovers that Jeremy's mother is actually an energy being from the planet below. After it is trapped aboard by force fields, the creature says it only wants to care for the boy since it's long dead race. Since the... Oh my god! This is... This is I apologize. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> since the long dead race <laughs> it once shared the planet with was responsible for Maria Astor's death. Picard argues that the humans must endure suffering and pain along with joy, while Troy points out how Jeremy can never have a full life in the artificial environment. The alien relents after Wesley and Worf tell their stories, and the Klingon leads the boy through the uh, Rusatai bonding ceremony, making them brothers. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Um, well, they also, um, I'll just skip to my end of my notes here. Um, they, the, the, uh, the bonding thing he does with Worf at the end, mm-hmm. um, cause he builds up this whole relationship with Worf, which we'll talk about. But, um, in non-canon sources, uh, it said in memory alpha, which I found interesting, while never again mentioned in canon pub, uh, productions, other sources would show that Jeremy's relationship with Worf remains strong after his return to earth. He uh, he receives romantic advice from Worf in DC Comics. The lesson joins the House of Martok in Genesis Force. What's Genesis Force? That sounds awesome. Um, and has become close with Sergey and Helena Rosenko. Roshenko. Roshenko. Is that his? Those are Worf's adopted parents. Gotcha. The Roshenkos. Um, visiting them quite often in diplomatic implausibility. Sergey, did you just say diplomatic implausibility? That's what it's called. That's a weird. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. That's the name of that's the, the name of, thing. I guess it's a Star Trek novel. I thought you were saying. <laughs> I thought you were using really... that. I thought you were using that as the term, right? Like, uh, whatever. That's a matter. very. Oh, right. They're visiting them quite often <laughs> in the process of diplomatic yeah. implausibility. No, it's actually. I feel like it's just as. Uh, incomprehensible that that's the title of a star trek novel it's very obtuse have uh, you read diplomatic implausibility no it's a star trek novel oh anyway well andy i'm very excited to uh share with you all the beginning of this episode because okay. quite frankly it's an episode <laughs> Commander, away team reporting in. Lieutenant Worf standing by. This is Riker. Go ahead, Lieutenant. The archaeologists have identified the markings in these caverns. This planet was apparently once home to a race known as the Koinonians. What do we know about them, Data? The Koinonians were an intelligent culture which became embroiled in a war that lasted for several generations. Our best evidence indicates they destroyed themselves. We have completed our survey of the third tunnel and will proceed into the ceremonial chamber. Affirmative. Enterprise out. Now, am I crazy or did you skip the captain's log? Did not. There is no captain's log. I could have sworn there was a captain's log. There's a captain's log on the back end of it. Oh, interesting. Um, But we're about to see Troy have uh, some psychic abilities. (laughs) We'll see. Destroyed themselves, Data. According to historical records, this will be the first opportunity for a Federation team. Captain, beam them up, 
quickly! Captain, emergency beam up. Enterprise, emergency, severe injury. Transporter room. I've got them, Captain. Beam them straight to sick bay. Dr. Crusher, incoming wounded. That's where you should end it. Hmm. What, uh, what do they go to the they go to the transporter room? They go into sick bay. I, I like the I like guys. incoming wounded and then yeah I think you could do that it's a fun I will say either way uh, I really love one dead in the teaser all right yeah kill those red shirts even though technically she was a blue shirt and just you know I do like how fucked up Worf looks <laughs> he does he's well, mostly like his shirt's dirty open wounds <laughs> He's got like he's bleeding on his uh, on his chest, just unblinking though, like a wharf. So she's a science officer, right? Uh, I just want to point something out, Andy. All right, pal. We have Beverly Crusher, right? Uh We're familiar with her medical uh, expertise or lack. I'm air quoting. Uh huh. She she has a a tricorder in her hands. Even though she's in sick bay. No, no, no. She has a tricorder in her hands. She scans the woman and then goes to feel for a pulse. (laughs) (laughs) Like, are you telling me that medical tricorders are like, well, sometimes when it says they're dead, you can actually, your fingers are better. Well, it supports uh, my ongoing theory about Beverly's lack of medical knowledge that she may not know how to work a tricorder. <laughs> She's like, uh-oh, I better just check if this person's alive. I'm oh, sorry, one dead on arrival. We just, I just stepped on That's okay, I get it. With my jibber-jabbers. Um, I think there's a captain's log. I really enjoy, here. I really enjoy a teaser where there's just a big thing that happens. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I like that. <laughs> That's the way we should, yeah, we should, we should, always have, have, that have, we should have that cue. Yeah. Captain's log, stardate 4. If anybody wants to make us that cue, feel free. The Enterprise remains in standard orbit while we investigate the tragedy which has struck the away team. Lieutenant Mala Astor, ship's archaeologist, has been killed in what should have been a routine mission. Whatever the explanation, it will not bring back a valued and trusted officer. Yeah, there's the blood. Lieutenant. I like the vagueness of valued and trusted officer. Yeah, <laughs> just a just an all around great girl. She was our ship's ar- archaeologist. <laughs> yes, always always wore that blue <laughs> that you know science officers wear. I love the way she uh, looked for things. Yes, we had always with an eye toward history. Of the third tunnel, our scans indicated no weapons or traps of any kind. Lieutenant Astor was three meters behind me. An explosive device went off. There was no warning. Lieutenant Astor bore the full brunt of the detonation. Boy, oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, thus will now... I mean, this, this is interesting to me. This whole procedure... Uh-huh. Again, I like a procedure situation on a starship. Sure. I like I like Captain Picard having to go tell the victim the victim's uh, remaining kin. I got to tell you, I have a feeling that at the end of this you may have liked this episode uh, less than I did. I uh, every scene in this early part of the episode even though it's not essentially plot driven, it's so it's they're all so rich. 
like yes. what you're saying like we don't how many red shirts have died we've never seen the blowback of how it affects the other characters and what you have to go through and what you have to do we it's, see how Worf with the ceremony with the knife yeah putting out the candle it's just it's a series of really illuminating character scenes it's also like day to day ship operation in a way that's true is like, one what do you of do? my favorite things yeah Did she try to use her fingers again to see if someone was alive? Yes. <laughs> Should we get Dr. Pulaski? No. No, it's too late. Lieutenant Astor is survived by a son, Jeremy, 12 years old. Should I go He's check his pulse? The Enterprise, sir. And his father? He's also deceased. His mm, only living relatives are an aunt and uncle residing on Earth. They are not very is, cool. That is some good sighing. In class, oh, yeah. I've alerted the teacher to expect us. <laughs> Captain. <laughs> what if the kid was just psyched that he got out of class when they get there? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> All right, what's up, guys? <laughs> just playing my video game, playing my COD here. <laughs> I must accompany you. I commanded the away team. I appreciate your offer, Lieutenant. This is my responsibility. Kind of cold how he shuts him down. I think he's somber and not cold. No. Guard to bridge. Yes, Captain. Assign Commander LaForge to lead another away team to the dig site. I want to know why this happened. Yes, Captain. Didn't I it seem... I with Counselor Troy and young Jeremy Astor. Didn't it seem like they should send data I down understand. in that situation when they've already they've already shown that there's hidden bombs well what if data turns into a bomb has <laughs> that technology been established you on never planet? know alright you're up uh, they, this is the beginning of them saying Jeremy Astor uh-huh. over and over again <laughs> right they just keep saying Jeremy Astor yeah the beautiful loot He had to do the same thing for me. Do you know Jeremy well? But I know what this is going to be like for him. That's part of life in Starfleet, Wesley. I know. They're very careful to prepare us for anything, but still. I know. How do you get used to it? It telling them. You hope you never do. Uh, you know, what I mean, there's not a ton that actually happens in this episode. There isn't, but I really have to reiterate that I love all of these scenes. I think the first of all, the the it's a kid episode, which is already a danger kind of. It's like, oh, this might be really bad. Every time, anytime you have to depend on a guest kid so it's not a kid that's had a lot of experience necessarily yeah um so that's usually troubling 
and this kid is called on to do a tremendous amount of emotional acting and contained emotion. Yeah. I think this kid is great. Do you think he took a course in North Hollywood at Andy's Come to School Specific Acting? You know, I wish I could take credit for this uh, kid's uh, skills, but uh, I mean, yes, we... Well, I have noticed on the pamphlet that, that you are uh, in the this, this summer class, you're offering a class in how to react to your deceased mother returning as an alien ghost. That's right. If <laughs> if you if you are containing your emotions is the extra hurdle. So it's like you have to show it, but you can't show it. Uh, so there's that too. Um, I just want to find this one. Oh yeah, here it is. It's very minor, but I really like this line. I'm told that your father is also dead. Yes, sir. He died five years ago from a Rushton infection. A sexually transmitted infection. I'm all alone now, sir. Mm-hmm. Jeremy, on the Starship Enterprise, no one is alone. I just... I don't know why. No was, one. That was really... I found that really inspiring. <laughs> well, I mean, that's how that's... I feel every morning. Yeah. Like, I, when I... My alarm is Picard saying that to me. I, I, I walk through life thinking that thing. I'm... Uh, <laughs> I also cut him off with his repetition. No one. No one. Um, I love the Data Riker conversation. If mm-hmm, we could mm-hmm. hear that. We can hear anything you want, Andy. That's the beauty of the internet. All these scenes, I understand the plot is not necessarily moving forward. You don't even see the ghost yet, right? No. Not, that's, that actually happens very late in the episode. But I feel like... It's a character writing clinic, and I, from what I've read, Ronald D. Moore, the plot changed enormously. His original thing was the kid recreates his mother on the holodeck. I don't know what what happened then, but uh, but um, so oh, well, I then think it really is just very self contained and on the ship day to day stuff. Yeah, that's but interesting. Melinda Snodgrass and um, and Pillar rewrote it heavily, and sons of bitches, just. Really? It's, a, it's just a character writing clinic, these scenes. Well, did you know her? Why do you ask? Well, you just ask me. Oh, but by the way, she goes, did you know why her? Why do you ask and then, the question? And then Riker's all like, kind of like, why yes, as I did. Sort of thinking I about thought, it. I honestly thought that he, when I first watched it, I thought that Data was inferring that they'd slept together. <laughs> so putting like, him in an point. awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, Riker's unflappable. Yeah. Since her death, we got down. I've been asked several times to define how well I knew Lieutenant Astor. And I heard you ask Wesley on the bridge how well he knew Jeremy. Does the question of familiarity have some bearing on death? Do you remember how we all felt when Tasha died? I do not sense the same feelings of absence that I associate with Lieutenant Yar, although I cannot say precisely why. Just human nature, Data. Human nature, sir. We feel a loss more intensely when it's a friend. But should not the feelings run just as deep, regardless of who has died? That's where I know this fucking kid from. We felt any loss as keenly as we felt the death. Baywatch? No. RoboCop 2. <laughs> oh, yes. Remember? Yes. He's the fucking kid that works with Kane. Oh, yes. 
Yes. He's definitely got a very familiar face. The but, nuke dealer. But I got to tell you, that, that guy... Maybe maybe he got more self conscious as he got older. That guy deserved more of a career than he had. What's his name? Uh, Gabriel Damon. He deserved more of a career. I anyway, I wonder what he's up to now. About this scene, uh, feel free to look it up. About this scene, um, this to me is one of the most. All there's a lot of back and forth in this series about well, what is Data really experiencing? Is he human? Is he not human? This is one of the most like subtly drawn um, uh, expressions of how data experiences emotion, and I think it says really interesting things about about death. First of all, mm-hmm. in this scene and other in other scenes, um, but it's like data does experience the emotion. He just doesn't know what it is, and so he puts it in a mathematical kind of well. I feel more because I knew her better. Like, there's an absence of emotion around the other thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fascinating. I just think it's a really well-written scene. Andy is having a love affair with this episode. And I do wonder how much Ronald D. Moore wrote, because he's very good at extrapolating, as we've established. Go on. There's nothing more to be said. I like this scene. A person died under your command. It may happen again if you can't learn to release the anger and the guilt, to talk about it. A leader must stand alone, as Captain Picard does. Captain Picard talks to me. Not much. But enough. <laughs> enough to make Worf talk to her. Uh-huh. Then I like how they're in the computer core set they council. built. That we only see like three times ever. Why are they in there? Bonding. They probably just wanted to move it. It is my right. It's very generous, Worf, but he's not a Klingon child. He has different sensibilities. He is an orphan. I am an orphan. Together we are orphans. (laughs) (laughs) There are a lot of orphans in this show. Uh, it's the uh, typical orphany thing. By the way, when he was five Data's years kind old, of an by the way, too. his yeah. dad died. Yet in the video, he's the same exact age. The video that his father is shooting. Oh, good point. So, goof. <laughs> or is he also an android? What? <laughs> we may both understand it. <laughs> in the line of duty as your mother did. In my tradition, we do not grieve the loss of the body. We celebrate the releasing of the spirit. I understand death. They teach us all about it. Jeremy Astor. to be a Jeremy Astor. We may understand it. Okay, so there's some stuff happening. How's the kid doing? Everyone's like very concerned about this kid. Sure, he lost Bye. his mom. I can't be sure the emotions of the crew are particularly strong right now. It's difficult to filter them out. Data, scan analysis on main viewer. Okay, so Star Trekky stuff doesn't start happening until 19 minutes into the episode. Right. Theoretically, Troy could have just heard someone say that there was a, there was a problem before Worf announces it. So it might not have been a psychic flash. 
And then when they ask her to do something later in the episode, she says there's too many emotions on the ship. So, possible she has no. Today. No empathic abilities. Today, it's like I can see it all as clearly as if it were yesterday. I can remember the way Dad looked when he hugged me goodbye. Captain Picard's eyes when he came to tell us you trying to feel his pulse even though you had three tricorders he's <laughs> kind of a nice scene with the that run comparison yes. of known phenomena the pattern has no exact match in federation records sir is it alive a possibility captain i'm getting an unusual magnetic flux reading from the antimatter containment pods Do they have patches in the future? They do have patches in the future. Patches is the name of the cat. I understand that, but they would. But he's also walking by. He's also he also is covering it with a quilt that has patches all over it. I think if you just so you know, they do have patches because they still quilt apparently. See? Uh, Oh yeah! Wow, good answer, Matt. Listen, I just look with my eyes, you know? Any scene, I don't know if we hear it that much in this one, but certainly when the ghost patches appears later, the the post-sound guy is very overeager with the meows. Like, the cat's licking himself, and the the guy's still giving him meows. (laughs) Cats don't meow while they lick. Come on, we all know this. All right, so Jeremy's mother appears. Okay. Lieutenant Worf, did they tell you? It was a mistake. She didn't die. She's alive. Jeremy, come here. Lieutenant Worf. <laughs> oh, he has right. a phaser on him. I'm here for the boy. I mean, I guess he's the chief of security, so he usually has. Well, he knows, Worf to come he knows to it's card. not his mom. Go ahead. Lieutenant Astor is in her quarters. What? Lieutenant Astor is here. In her quarters with the boy. A little alien sound effect in the background. I interfered in any way until I arrived. Got out. Number one, have security moving that way, but tell them to keep their distance. You have the bridge. Counselor. Here's the one thing that bothers me about the set of the bridge of the Enterprise. Okay. You'll see it right here. Security moving that way, but tell them to keep their distance. The turbo lift floor has no carpet separation from the bridge. It is one flowing piece. I would have... Uh, I'll move that so that can hopefully go away. I, I I would have cut something into the floor. Just so that we feel like it was an actual elevator. Doesn't it stand to reason, Matt, that by the 24th century... Carpet seams would be gone? <laughs> that they would figure out a way to have a carpet just meld with itself the second that the break happens. Okay, I'll accept that. That's a Matt Myra-esque... <laughs> Explanation for carpet seams. <laughs> he needs me. And therefore we have to uh, happy. You have to sound. Hey, where is it? Oh, here it is. Matt's standard defense. Jeez, your volume is bananas. I found a way to make them play each 
each uh, each sound individually on my iTunes finally, and um, and I've created another technical problem in the process. You have no normalization set on. I don't know. I think there's something called volume checking. Where's that? It's in there somewhere. I, I that was so loud. I know. I apologize, everyone at home. I apologize. Oh, uh, that can't be as upsetting as you're yawning. <laughs> That's true. Equalizer? Is it under equalizer? No. No. Where are you taking the child? To the planet. Come, Jeremy. We go to the planet now. Warped to Picard. They're leaving their quarters. Captain, I believe we're headed for transporter room three. We're on our way. You know, Calmini is um, credited in this episode as Lieutenant. O'Brien. Huh. I, I know. That, wait, so later he becomes what? He's a chief petty officer. He's not even an officer. Oh, weird. He's a non-commissioned officer. So O'Brien was demoted at some point. Well, they just never could quite figure out what his rank was the no, entire I think I think O'Brien was but demoted. But then like, it's unclear who he's in charge of. Like he's the chief of operations on board D Space Nine. What was he demoted for, I wonder? Sexual harassment of his wife, Keiko? Possibly. Well, they end up together. It seems like that's a very dark story. <laughs> You're very you have a lot of you have a lot of sexual harassment on the brain, young man. <laughs> Do I? What was the other thing I mentioned? Well, last with the Mentakins and like you're like, oh, because I didn't say that he was harassing her, I just said he was making a move on her. Uh-huh. Uh and then um you know, with the uh, with uh what was the other thing today in this episode? I don't know. <laughs> surface. Guys, Andy needs it. He needs it, but good. I'm sure. I'm still right. We have 12-year-olds listening, Andy. Why? <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. I'm Marla Astor. It's my mother, Captain. She's alive. What do you want? To take my child down to the planet. I cannot permit that. The boy is my responsibility. I'm here to care for him. He needs me. Why do you resist? Because I don't know who or what you are. Can't you see who it is, Captain? Jeremy, she appears to be your mother, but she is not. I like the way he played that, the kid. Yeah. Because he's like, because there's like a hint of like, wait a second, am I going crazy? Yeah. When he's like, can't you see who it is, Captain? Like there's a little hint of that. A little yeah. gleam. He's it's, doing a great job. It's very he smart. He should be guest teaching at your acting school. <laughs> Should I bring that guy in? Yeah. You're confusing the boy. Hey, wait, stop! No! No, wait, stop! <laughs> that sound was her disappearing. <laughs> it's, it's so dumb. It's because things keep interfering with the... But it's not real. Isn't it? Jeremy. There's the sound. Isn't that really Patches? Cat meowing, no matter what it's doing. Just because you gotta let him know there's a cat here. He knows me. <laughs> Tim. It's real. It's all real. No, it's no not. fake cat would pretend to like could me. Real- that cat could still be alive. No, wait, 28 years old? Can you replicate a cat? <laughs> no. 
now. You can clone your dog now, thanks to Barbara Streisand cloned her dog. Really? Don't try and put an end to this. Oh my gosh. Understood. And it's the same thing then? Unknown. I think that's a fascinating thing. Uh I would like to clone my cat and find out if it becomes a real. real, It becomes the same personality based on being my cat. (laughs) He's powering this creation. Omar Little. The beam from the planet is clearly tapping into the ship's antimatter, Captain. I'd say they're running that manifestation off our own energy. So that our limits to her power. She needs the transport to get the boy back. So, how do we cut the puppet strings? Increasing the shield's harmonics to match our own antimatter containment fields will probably sever the beam. Proceed. Deanna, stand by. Standing by. Okay. So this happens. Uh, there's some great... Uh, Chief O'Brien being chased by a ghost. Yeah, in the transporter room, you know, that's some good, some good uh, acting by. Yeah, that definitely we cover in the school of acting. Dead mom ghost chasing you on the Enterprise. Mr. Wolf, come with me. Number one, you have the bridge. In Andy Skunda School of uh, Specific Acting, we teach you, it's not just a wave of energy mm. it is a mom ghost you must feel the mom ghost coming at you now that i mean look at look at what calm is, is doing here he's really like yeah see he really good. he's got the good eye line you yeah. know he knows what he's looking at i don't know what their plan is these security officers who have their phasers drawn are they going to shoot the energy they're gonna shoot energy at energy well they both have bad relationships with their mother so yeah. they're just like it's a mom ghost and then it's unclear if the mom ghost uh, just scared them and knocked them over or what. No. That sound was the house appearing Come, Jeremy. in the quarters. Huh. We will I like not those sounds. Oh, the force fields are up. Card's having a great time. Took a long time to do more plot-wise with the force fields. I would have been using those as as um, kind of defensive and attack maneuvers a long time earlier in the series. Hello, gentlemen. Did they have them in original... Mm-hmm. Force fields, yeah. Did they? I guess they had them in in, uh, no. in the brig, but I don't remember them in between in the corridors. Well, a little, sir. Of course. These are frightening things that are happening. But we won't let anyone harm you. Counselor, why don't you take the boy to my quarters? No. I gotta tell you, this episode, yeah, a lot of great character, a lot of dullness. That is right. Well, I have a th- truth. All- you have a theory? No, I don't have a theory, but I do have a a, a writing suggestion. But uh, can you play this area? Because I like it when she says, um, "Well, I don't know. I basically can say it. What is so noble about sorrow? What's that?" Siri thought you were talking to her. Oh, what did I say? Um, she says what is so noble about sorrow to Picard and then he, whatever he says after that 
Do you have that? Mm. I don't know if that's there. I think it's there. Yes. It's quite an undertaking you're proposing, isn't it? It is our duty to make him happy again. Do you honestly believe he would be happy? I found it if you want me to play it. This total fiction? Yes. Play it, Andy. Are you angry already? No, no, no. Okay. The guard's Lieutenant Worf. Go ahead, Captain. Will you escort Ensign Crusher to the Astor quarters? Yes, sir. Card out. Your philosophy is curious, Captain. What is so noble about sorrow? I can provide him an existence where he will feel no pain, no anguish. It is at the heart of our nature to feel pain and joy. It is an essential part of what makes us what we are. Which I thought is a really interesting point and obviously one that's covered in various ways in the show, like the episode where uh, where Q gives the powers to Riker and then mm. he's able to get rid of all the pain. Although I think it's much more concise here. But also, it sounded almost identical to this passage. What have you done to my friends? I've done nothing. This is who they are. Cybok. Didn't you know that? No, I didn't. Now learn something about yourself. No, I refuse. Jim, try to be open about this. About what? I've made the wrong choices in my life. I turned left when I should have turned right. I know what my weaknesses are. I don't need Cyborg to take me on a tour of them. If you just unbend at all. And be brainwashed by this con man. I was wrong. This con man took away my pain. Damn it, Bones, you're a doctor. You know that pain and guilt can't be taken away with a wave of a magic wand. They're the things we carry with us, the things that make us who we are. If we lose them, we lose ourselves. <laughs> I don't want my pain taken away. I need my pain. Yeah, I liked it. <laughs> it's it's got some uh, some classic uh, huge uh, Shatner acting, but uh, seeing that scene in an really really just overall just terrible movie from top to bottom, um, I thought that was a good scene. I don't think it's terrible top to bottom. No, I think it has some moments. good stuff. I think yeah, it has, well, it's been a while since I've seen it. Decent moments, but yeah. I think it's I tend to create a all terrible movie. You're correct about that, okay, but good. not top to bottom. I think there are some moments. Some anyway, it's very similar to this uh, this discussion here, and I really find it interesting and a good analysis of humans handling pain and death. And uh, and is it sort of like you gotta you gotta embrace it? I don't know. It's really interesting. Not embrace it, but, you know, accept that it's part of the balance of life. Well, it's back to cloning your, your, your cat, you know? Well, that I'm going to do. I, you, I, I can't, I can't you, handle my cat clone, going away. If you clone Omar, and no, then I took Omar, right. and then I raised the clone of Omar, it would not be Omar. No, it wouldn't act like Omar. It would act like Bo. It would jump up on you and lick you and, you know. Be an overall friendly. Well, Bo we didn't have from birth, though. Yeah. We got. yeah, but he was, he was you know, a big meanie when you got him, and then you trained him to be a nice, big big ball of mush yeah but he's uh you know i wonder what he'd be like if we had had him from puppy puppydom probably be more friendly right yeah i would guess big sleepy dum-dum um i don't know where it's said but somewhere in this episode they refer to acting ensign crusher is he is that because he's still waiting to get through starfleet uh, he's an acting ensign because he has not gone through the academy yet. Yeah, so he's just like earning credits on the bridge of the Enterprise. I see. How many Jeremy? credits does he need? The guy's 
Wesley's father died on a Starfleet mission when he was younger than you are. Wes, your mother told me you were finding it difficult to talk to Jeremy. Why is that? I don't know. I just don't want to think about it anymore. All this has reminded me so much of that day. The day I told you your father had been killed. As I recall, Wesley, you took it very well. My parents had... Uh, alien ghost sits down to have a real listen. <laughs> I don't... I know this is this is off topic. This couch is very uncomfortable. Tell me about the dangers of Starfleet missions. I knew it could happen. So you were prepared? No, I wasn't prepared at all. How can anyone be prepared to hear that a parent is never coming home again? ADR. I tried to be what everyone expected of me. Brave and mature. Wesley, are you saying that you didn't want anybody to see what you were really feeling? Or what were you really feeling? Like somebody had kicked me in the head. Somebody. Go on. You've wanted to tell him for a long time. I was angry at you. Why angry? Why were you angry at me, Wesley? Were you angry at me because I was the one who had told you your father was dead? No. And why? Because you led the mission. You came home and my father didn't. How long were you angry with the captain, Wes? For a long time. But not anymore, sir. Not even a little. So, Jeremy? So that's a nice moment. What is her explanation of that? Just play it a little bit longer. You must be very angry at Lieutenant Worf. He was in charge of your mother's mission. I just don't understand just- why they make Wesley do all that, other than it's sort of backstory for him and Picard. I don't know how it convinces Jeremy of anything. Oh, I think it helps Jeremy. That to express to his emotions? To really think about what he's actually feeling. Uh-huh. I don't know. Seems <laughs> you a little- sometimes get into these weird loops, like where you can't... Like, there's a very obvious thing that's happening in front of us. Yeah. And you're, for some reason, your brain won't allow you to see it. Well, here's the reason. Much is, like yeah. the eggs. Okay? They were bad eggs. He wasn't bad at cooking, Andy. <laughs> I never was saying <laughs> that I was arguing he was bad at cooking. I was arguing that he didn't know that it was the eggs that were the problem because he doesn't show it in the scene. <laughs> you're thinking he should have gone to your class oh i know the, the whole that whole scene is dumb that's that's the one thing i can stand by anyway my point here is um i don't know they have this whole build-up i think the earlier scene with wesley talking about it uh, with his mom is really poignant and i feel like this scene they're kind of bringing in to, to tie up his his plot and i don't i don't like why does it's to get Jeremy to experience the emotion. That's what it's for. Well, why does the story about Picard through, do that? Why don't you have him? Anger. Why don't you have him talk directly to Jeremy? 
Who? Uh, Wesley. And not oh, all these people. I, I like it out the of way him. this is. I like this. You don't like this. You don't like the way this scene goes. I guess here's my here's my bottom line. I, going along with the thing you were saying before, in terms of it being a little bit tedious, hmm. I feel like up until like the the ghost is like a little bit of a danger and it feels like it's building and there's something really weird going on and it's creepy and I feel like they're really leaning into something major is going down with this ghost slash energy being and then after the energy being says oh I'm just trying to make it up to him it's kind of like all the all the conflict and forward momentum goes well, out of the plot well this is think about what's happening here right uh-huh. this is this is very much this is a conversation that probably happened in Ron Moore's script in the holodeck. Right. To get the, to coax the kid to come out of the holodeck uh-huh. and face life again. Well, I guess this is, this is what I'm saying. My fix would have been to make it more tied to the overall plot of a danger to the Enterprise. What if the, the... That's not the plot. Well, I guess I'm saying I think it, it could have been and it would have... The thing you're saying is tedious would have been, I think, uh, served by this if the energy being was trying to suck Jeremy into this fake uh, fantasy at, in some ways, the behest of Jeremy's emotions. He was, in some ways, guiding the energy being to do all this because he was hiding from his emotions. And then the more that the rest of the crew tried to get him to reveal his emotions, the more that the energy being would cause havoc and danger to the crew. I feel like that's a plot later in the series well and maybe and it, and i mean i know that they already were swerving away from the holodeck thing because apparently they had too many holodeck stories either planned or in the recent past but to me that's something like then when they have this conversation and they get him to express his emotions that he's been running from there's more of an imperative and a thing that's that's tied to the plot drive Whereas, I don't know, it feels like well this always this always part of the problem with this episode for me has always been like the alien the MacGuffin of the week, the alien of the week, is like pointless, ultimately harmless. I guess that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. You know, and that's it, there's. It's doing nothing to the Enterprise. Yeah. It's not hurting anybody. They're just essentially the entire crew of the ship, the one thousand and fourteen people, <laughs> uh, are on board. Essentially, they're this week. Their mission is to help Jeremy deal with his mother's death. Right, like I, that's, that's, what that's, the that's the that's thrust. That's that's what I'm saying. I think if you tied it to, they have to help him because otherwise it's going to. Well, destroy I think the you ship. want, yeah, you want more danger. You want more Star Trek. Pretty much always, you, you know. Where whereas when you started talking about this episode, you were just really on board with all the character moments, which essentially this episode, the thrust of the whole thing is the character development, right? So, I would like to know why you think you can have it both ways. I feel like if with my fix, you could add all the character scenes, and then it could have turned into you know the ship being in more and more danger in uh you know the third to last act andy yeah will you join me later for a bonding ceremony a james bonding ceremony no we're going to uh light some candles and say some klingon stuff all right then we'll be brothers Jeremy's now been presented with a Klingon sash. 
that he will use to help RoboCop. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's actually the bad guy. Hey, pretty sweet to get adopted by Worf. Yeah, Worf's not a great dad. Maybe you'd never lose a fight to a bully. It honors the memory of our mothers. We have bonded, and our families are stronger. There it is. There it is. The bonding. It happened. They're bonded. They're brothers now. Their families are stronger. We did it, everyone. Yay. <laughs> That's how I feel about this episode. Anyway, Andy. Figured I'd just get to it. We're going to need a new one for when Wesley is off uh, uh, off the ship. What is it? What are we going to do? What's the other one that mentioned season three? Is that Andy's? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so MVC, pretty clear. I think it's Deanna Troy in this episode. Let me think. It's definitely not Beverly. No. <laughs> not using a tricorder. Not Least Wesley. valuable doctor somehow. No. She's not even the most valuable doctor on the ship. Um, Worf definitely screwed up the away party and, and uh, I guess he helps the kid at the end. But the ship's never in danger. They bond. It's tough because the ship's never in danger. I know, but the real danger here is the emotions of everyone. Meh. And who's going to deal with that, but... Um, yeah, I would say. Okay. Yeah, Troy, I'm with you. Oh, my God. Guys, we did it. We gave it to... Uh, Deanna, Deanna Troy. Troy. Rare Deanna Troy. Yeah. All right. The Andes. Or some other method of ranking. We're working on it. Um, Andy's. Mm, this is a tough one. I'm curious where you land. Four. Four. Four out of ten. This is a slightly below average. Some good stuff happening. Yeah. But just not something I'm going to really stay tuned for. I will say I fetishize a Andy's. five. Yeah. Here's a five for me. Uh-huh. Five. The f- here's how the Andy's work in my head. A five yeah. is I'm flipping through the channels and this is on BBC America. Right? Uh-huh. And... If it's a fi- if the sh- if the episode is a five, I will watch it until the commercial break, oh, and then I flip the channels. Sure, right? Yeah. A six might get me through one full commercial break into the next act. This is fascinating. Seven, two acts, eight. When it goes eight through ten, then it's like I might just pull it up and watch it on Netflix. I'll be like, oh, ah, I should just watch this from the beginning. Right. That's this. That's my sliding scale of BBC America. <laughs> Star Trek viewing. I think that's totally reasonable. And I, you know, uh, someone has sort of compared us. This is an insane rating system because they were comparing it to grades, which I don't think it it works that way for me. I think it's... No, average is smack in the middle. Five. Five is an average episode of Star Trek. In the end, I think I try to look for emotionally how I feel about watching the episode. And then it's adjusted a point or two in either direction. Mm Mm-hmm based on yeah but this element was really great and it's tough because i really am fixated on endings and a story kind of 
coming together in a sensible way. And this one, I don't feel like really culminates in that much in the end. Um, but the beginning and all those early scenes and just the handling of the characters and the acting is really great. Although they're really, the plot is only partially there. So, um, so I'm going to say a five, even based on your... Oh. You know what? I'm going to say five and a half. Whoa. Andy's going to watch it through a commercial break and maybe get up to do something and then come back. And if it's still on, he's going to watch again. I'm going to watch all these character scenes and then I'll probably turn it off. All right. Well, Andy, it's time for the trailer for next week's episode. One of my favorite episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, Does that mean it's a great episode? I don't know. But it is one of my favorites for some reason. This episode is called Booby Trap. All right. I do like boobs. Is it about attacking you like boobies? traps? Uh-huh. Traps. I, I also love the way... I love uh, how things work on a starship. So let's... Well here we go. Here we go. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation, the Enterprise is caught in an alien death trap and there's no way out. We should be going like a bat out of hell. Engines aren't responding, Captain. Geordi fights impossible odds to save the crew from disaster. Somehow we have to generate enough energy to get out of here. But are they helpless against destruction? Shields up. Reverse course, full impulse power. On the next episode of Star Trek, The Next Generation. Huh. Not a, not a great trailer. I don't know why I like this episode so much. There's a lot happening in that episode. I don't know. I can't wait to talk about it with you. I'm very curious to see what you think about it. Andy, my, my, my advice for everyone, should they watch that episode? Yes. I have a voicemail about the teasers. Yeah. And uh, someone doesn't want them played. Do you want me to play it? No. Okay. Then <laughs> what is what is it? Break it down for me. It's just basically he says the uh, the sound of the uh, the Enterprise uh, is over is, is come is blowing over the sound of the trailer. No, he says that it's the Millennium Falcon <laughs> sound. <laughs> Oh, that's not a song. That's not about the trailers. That's a, that's a different voicemail altogether. Uh, and then he sent us the Millennium Falcon sound, correct? Correct. Let's hear it. What is that? What's that gentleman's name? Um, let's see. Why is it? Why am I having trouble finding this? Oh, I think it's. Oh, you you're right. It was a, it was a tweet, right? Yeah, it was something. I saw it. Millennium Falcon sound? Uh, I guess I'll look for. All right. Ah, here it is. I found it. Okay. Here's the end. Okay. This is the Millennium Falcon. I think it's at the very end. Right. So this is the Millennium Falcon. Yes. Okay. And then I'm going to cut. I'm going to cut it out. And we're going to go back to that trailer. He thinks that at the... He thinks that the... What is his what is his theory that that the sound of the enterprise at the end of this trailer? Why don't I just play his thing? <laughs> hey guys, uh Sam from Reno. Uh, Sam from Reno. What happened? Is you know who else? going to address the fact that the end of every teaser that Matt plays for the next episode, the sound of the enterprise is not the sound the enterprise made, makes actually the sound of the Millennium Falcon. Is, is anyone going to talk about that? Because it's been driving me crazy, and I have yet to hear it since you guys started. Um, and I just find that kind of kind of bonkers that they just picked picked that sound. It's clearly the Falcon. It's not anything else. Falcon, Falcon. However, 
Anyway, um, love the show. Love you guys. So glad you're back. That was a long three months. Um, anyway, yeah, I just, I, I need to point that out, especially if... Against destruction. Star Wars. Shields up. Reverse course, full impulse power. On the next episode of Star Trek, The Next Generation. Oh, he's right. Oh, there <laughs> it, it is. is in there. Good ears, Sam. Wow. Sam from Reno coming through with the weird ear of it all yeah he's really he really nailed it there great work um if you would like to write us an email um i should have done this in the hails my apologies please write us at sttncpod at gmail.com um if you would like to tweet at us we're at uh star trek tnc our instagram i know we're not doing anything with it star trek tnc as well and if you would like to leave us a voice hail, it is 816-TREK-TNC. I can be found at Secunda on Twitter, at Andrew Secunda on Instagram. Matt is at Matt Myra for everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. Everything. All right, Andy. It's been so good being with you. I'm sorry the ship engine is cut out. Uh, let's just pretend we're on the Falcon from now on. What a hunk of junk! <laughs> Too much. That's no boom. Light speed. That's no boom. <laughs> oh. Look at the size of that thing. Even that's, that's not, not in the scene. Not in the scene. <laughs> I'm already dead at that point. <laughs> Disengage. Disengage. <laughs>